Good morning, everybody. Sorry about that. I was uh, uh, finishing something up, and uh, I'm uh, but welcome this morning. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church. We're glad to have you with us today. Thank you for choosing to come worship with us on this uh, beautiful snow-filled uh, Sunday morning. That by time I have a feeling by time about three o'clock rolls around, it'll be a slushy, muddy mess. But you know what? That's okay. God make, made some beautiful snow for us to look at last night, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you're a guest with us for the first time, if you would, there are visitor cards in the pews in front of you. If you drop one of those in the offering bucket on the way out. Um, just a few announcements to get us through the week. Don't forget, Wednesday night services are online. I post, uh, I post a link to the youth video and then uh, Artie is online live at 6.30. Um, deacon nominations will be coming out to you this week in the mail. Uh, keep an eye out for those when you get them, if you'll fill them out. And you can either, you've got a couple options. You can mail them back to the church. You can come and drop them off uh, that next Sunday morning. Or you can contact your deacon and they will come pick it up at your house and deliver it to church for you. So you have a few options there. So, so be on the lookout for that in the mail. Um, it's not a spam letter from Artie like normal. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Artie. Um, and uh, as the youth, I'm excited as things are uh, starting to clear up. And there is a youth activity coming up that is being put on by Pleasant City Church in Shelby. And it is a countywide youth event. And last year it was spread out over several days, but this year it's one night. It's Friday, March the 5th. The event is from 6 to 10. It's no cost, but I do need to know so I can let Christian Harmon at Pleasant City know how many people we have coming that day. So if you have a youth that want to come, what we're going to do is we're going to come here at the church, meet at 5 Bring $5, not for the event, to eat. We're going to go pick up something to eat before we go because they're not providing a meal there because of uh, COVID regulations and things. Um, and then it's over at 10 o'clock, and I do not mind bringing your kids, to, dropping your kids off at your front door uh, that evening because I know that is a late time to be out picking up kids. So I don't mind driving and dropping kids off. You just have to let me know if you'd rather pick them up at the church or you want me to drop them off. Um, I need to know by March the 3rd. That's all I need to know by. Um, it is um, a time of worship and a time of small groups for the youth. There will be temperature checks. There will be mask requirements. There will be social distance requirements. So if that is a concern to you, it is all being taken care of. Pleasant City has been working hard um, to organize it, and everything will be safe as it can be. Um, other than that, I don't, I mean, I don't think there are any other announcements. Um, I do have a young fella in the back who would like to stand up from where he was at, and uh, he, want, he has something he wants to say, so Mr. Larry Hammett back there. Thank 
And uh, we are glad to be there. And that, to me, that's what a church family is all about. Being there when it's about worshiping God together, but it's also about being there. Church doesn't stop on Sunday morning when the service is over. Well, the church family extends through the whole week and being there, checking in on each other, just letting each other know that we we're, love we're them and we're thinking about them in prayers. And I'm proud to be a part of this awesome church. At this point in time, I would like to just invite you to turn your hearts toward God as we go to the Lord in prayer soon and as we turn our hearts to worship. And you guys enjoy the service. Just to echo what Chad said, thank you for being here. It is good to see Pat and Larry uh, back with us today, and I'm glad you're, you're doing well. Continue to pray for David and Nancy. David is, uh, there is, is uh, starting to do a little bit more, still sounds a little bit sick, but he's not bad. Um, Nancy started running a fever again, so they're keeping a check on that. But uh, continue to pray for them as well. I also saw Gary Crotts um, yesterday, and uh, he's going to be having shoulder surgery in the coming weeks. So please pray for him, and then pray for Lisa's family uh, with her mom. Okay. Those of you that didn't hear that, um, Lisa's mom is dealing with dementia, just like Ginger's mom was. And uh, she has been having some difficulties, and they were worried that she was not going to be able to stay at home. In fact, that she was, she was in a rehab facility for a little bit. But the medicine that they have her on now has got her to where she's able to stay at home, that it's, it's helping, and they're starting to see a little bit of improvement. So just continue to pray for, for her and, and the family there. Uh, I also have a prayer request for a guy named Charles Wright that I grew up with. He, had, he runs an app store outside my dad's shop. And I went to church with him for 33 years before I came here. He, uh, they found him, he's, 80, he's, he's in his early 80s. They found a brain tumor this week. They went, checked it out, and sent him back home and said there was nothing they could do. But just enjoyed the time that he had. Okay, Charles Bright, Wright, Charles Wright, um, friend of Chad's, um, in his early 80s, um, discovered last week that he had a brain tumor, and they've checked it out, and apparently it's inoperable, and they told him to go home and enjoy the time that he had left. So remember to pray for him. Um, there's a lot of things going on in each and every one of our lives. We may not have the answers to. The doctors may not have the answers to. But God is allowing us to experience in those for a reason. And His Word says that all things happen for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. It doesn't say that everything that happens is good. But if we trust in God, He will turn it around and cause something good to come out of it. So that is, the, that is trust in our Lord and Savior. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, I want you to pray that all these concerns 
that something good will come out of it. So please, at this time, join me in prayer. Blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you today, bowing before your throne. Dear Lord, we humbly praise you because we are nothing without you. But with you, dear Lord, we are child, children of the King. Dear Lord, because of Jesus Christ, our names are written down. That we've been sealed. And nothing that Satan or the world throws at us can prosper. It may be difficult. We may find life hurtful at times. And it may be full of pain. But dear Lord, we count it all as good because we have the opportunity to shine through those times to let people see You in us. And dear Lord, as we gather together today, I ask You to be with those that that are here in person and those watching online. Be with those that are sick and hurting right now, dear Lord. Let them feel Your presence. Dear Lord, we ask that You move among Your people today. That You open our ears so that we will be not only hearers of the Word, but we will apply what we've heard and we will become doers of the Word. Don't let us just sit in these pews or sit on our couch, but we will listen and be obedient in our actions. Dear Lord, be with me this morning as the sermon that I'm bringing today is not just preaching at people, but it's dealing with something that I struggle with. Dear Lord, speak to me, speak to all of us today as we seek to give you praise and honor in everything that is said and done here today. And above all else, dear Lord, may your name be praised. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Let us stand and sing praises to our Lord and Savior as we turn to page 576 and sing the first and the last verses of Take the Name of Jesus With You, 576. Take the name of Jesus with you Child of sorrow and of woe It will joy and comfort give you Take it then wherever you go Precious name, oh how sweet Hope of earth and joy of heaven Precious name, oh how sweet Hope of earth and joy of heaven At the name of Jesus falling Prostrate at his feet King of kings and men will crown you When our journey is complete 
precious name, oh how sweet, oh beloved and joy of him, precious name, oh how sweet, oh beloved and joy of him. Amen. Thank you. All right, this morning, if you would bring your kids close to the TV, I'm excited this morning. I feel kind of like a little, uh, hey, I got a little Pentecostal running through me this morning. I'm not really sure what's, is it the ADHD? That was what it is. I feel really excited, though. I'm glad to be here in the house of the Lord. And the reason I'm excited is because I want to talk about something that affects me, like Artie was talking about something that affects, affects him. I want to talk about power. And where does power come from? Well, I went to school for electronics, and I still remember my Ohm's Law. Nick would be proud. I always remember power is P-I-E. Power equals amperage times voltage. That is how I remember my Ohm's Law. Uh, I know you guys are like, what is he talking about? I know that's what, goes, that's what the looks I get at my house all the time. But power comes from energy and amperage if you plug something into the wall. So I want you to look at this thing I've got here. And if, see if we plug something to that. I saw this on TikTok where they stick it to like an orange or something. And they plug it in and it gets electricity. And I'm pretty sure that's a myth. I think the Mythbusters busted that one. But here's the thing. I'm not going to get any power if I plug something into here because this surge protector is trying to feed off of itself well you know what we can do that we can get to the point i do it especially i think you know what i got this i can do this i'm going to get through this week i'm going to be successful in what i do i'm going to go 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 i'm going to do this the power that i get is going to come from me we're all guilty of that is anybody in here guilty of that besides me i think we all are but here's the thing here's what we have to remember 2 Samuel, let me get there, I marked it this time. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 33 says, Our power does not come from ourself. If we're trying to get our power from ourself, we're going to be like this surge protector. We're not going to get anywhere. If I plugged the vacuum cleaner this and rolled it around the house, I would be doing what I do if I plug into the wall, wasting my time, because the kids are going to come by and mess it up anyway. But this would not be working. It would not be turning on. There would be no power. 2 Samuel 22, 33 says, God is my strength and my power, and he makes my way perfect. And I'm going to read to 33 too, because this is, this is me. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. It's not the ADHD. It's the Lord. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. See there? So remember, when you're trying to get through this week, and I felt it Friday. I'm going to tell you, I have, a, I have a, someone that I work with on Friday that I got up Friday, and I was just kind of like this all day long. Just kind of going through the day because I was looking to myself for power. When you're feeling, not, don't wait till you're feeling down. Don't wait till you're feeling weak. Get up every morning and turn to God for your power and strength, and he will make your feet like a deer. 
He will keep you going through the toughest and hardest times. Don't be like this useless surge protector plugged into itself. Produce some power. Look to God for your power and strength. Kids, adults, youth, everybody. That's not just for the kids, that's for everybody. So as we get ready to jump into the sermon here shortly, let's bow our heads and pray and just thank God that He is our power and strength. God, thank You so much for this day. Thank You so much for Your Word and the the power that it has on our life. Thank, Thank You that we can turn to You for power and strength. And if we not, and, and just help us to remember that if we try to get it on our own, we try to lean on our own understanding and produce our own power, that we are going to come back empty and void. Help us to rely on, help us to have the strength and the faith to rely on you for everything. We love you and we praise you. All this we ask in your name. Amen. Well, I don't really have to say anything to introduce my song now because um, Chad did it for me. (laughs) Uh, But I will read this scripture. It's Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And uh, I know that everybody knows this song, so feel free to sing with me. Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your i
Thank you, Jackie. I'll tell you what, nothing does compare to the promise. Nothing. As I shared with you, the sermon today is something that I, I, I struggle with. See, this past Wednesday night, we began a new Bible study on Wednesday nights. Um, we're going through the, the Sermon on the Mount. So this past Wednesday night, we covered the Beatitudes. And there's one beatitude that I really struggle with. And, and, and the idea behind the beatitudes is, is Jesus was giving his disciples, not just the 12, but those that were the multitude that were following him. Because the reason it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because this great, huge multitude of people were following him. So he went up on the side of the mountain to begin to teach them. And he started by giving them the characteristics that all of his followers needed to have. And he started with the reason we call them the Beatitudes is because they're the attitudes that we should be. And he says, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. I struggle with that one. You see... uh, Peace, world peace. Ginger and I... And, and the kids, we were watching an old movie, Miss Congeniality. 
And she, here's, if you're not familiar with that movie, she is an FBI agent that goes undercover with the Miss United States pageant. And the pet answer that all the contestants give to their interview is world peace. What is it that you would like to see come out of your participation in this contest? World peace. So it's become sort of cliche, the whole idea of peace. But I want you to notice something. Look at Matthew 5.9 where it says this. This is our verse tonight, today. And if you will please stand as I read this, it will be on the screen as well as uh, online. Just um, Matthew 5.9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you. To Lord, I ask you to work in me to help me to become the peacemaker that you called me to be. Be with all of us as we receive this message today. And thank you for the reading of your word. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. See, notice that Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who love peace. You guys notice that? It's not the fact of loving peace or even wanting peace. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. Everyone loves the concept of peace. We all want it. But very few are willing to actually participate and be active in bringing about peace. So I want us to, to, to look at some stuff. First thing is that it is impossible to have peace without God's righteousness. Okay, that's not a point on the screen or anything like that, but it's impossible to have Peace without God's righteousness. Peace with righteousness is without righteousness is just a truce with sin. You guys get what I said? Peace without righteousness, without God's righteousness. It is just a it, we become comfortable with sin and we've said, okay, time out. I'm okay with that. Let's just go on. It's a truce. A ceasefire with sin. The pursuit of true peace often results in conflict. When I seek out to have peace, when I seek out to do what God has called me to do, to seek His righteousness, I immediately come into a conflict there. A conflict of what God is calling me to do, and a conflict of what I want to do. My way or His way. Anything short of His way is called what? Sin. When we do what we want instead of what God wants, that is sin. And we come into complete contract or, or conflict with that. Often a peacemaker is somebody who comes between two warring parties. Say if uh, as a pastor of this church, I got one person over here that's upset with one person over here and they're going at it and it's causing problems in the church. My job is to bring those two parties together. To get in the middle. 
Many times, the peacemaker is the one in the middle getting hit by both sides. You think of what Jesus did. Jesus came to bring peace. Or actually, He says, I didn't come to bring peace. But He did come to bring peace with us and God. But the very one that wanted to... He came to, to save... We're the ones that crucified Him. He was here to help us. He was here to reunite us with God, but we didn't want that. So we have to understand that. So what does it take to be a peacemaker? What does it take to be a peacemaker? A peacemaker seeks to reconcile people with God. First thing, they seek to reconcile people People with God. A peacemaker has experienced the peace with God. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He was committed to us the word, of rec- uh, the word of reconciliation. Look at what it says there in, in verse 18 again. Now all these things are from God. He reconciled Himself to us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul also says that we are no longer enemies of God. But through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God and we are now children of the King. We could not bring that peace about on our own. But once you experience that peace, you want to do exactly what Jackie says. You want to shout to the Lord. You want to shout it from the mountaintops. You want to do what Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount. You want to go tell it from the mountain. You, can't, you do not want to keep it to yourself. You want everybody to know what you've experienced. And a peacemaker does that. They want to, to, to everybody to know that they've experienced that peace. And then a peacemaker wants everyone to know that they have experienced that peace themselves through Jesus Christ. You can't tell other people about it unless you've experienced first. That's the problem in our society today, do you guys, I've told you this before, but do you guys realize that there's some preachers standing in the pulpit today that are just there because it's a job? It's, they're doing it for a paycheck. Some of them don't even believe what they're saying. Some of them have no idea what it actually says in the Word of God. They are doing it just because they've tried everything else. And it's, it's a paycheck for them. But church, I'm telling you something. I believe everything in this book. I've experienced the peace of God. I've experienced His discipline. I've experienced the ups and downs. The struggles. But I'm telling you something else. Just as Jackie sung, there's nothing like that promise. 
the promise that we have through Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in, in verse 20 and 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though Christ were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. A peacemaker seeks to reconcile people to God. They share the Gospel. They live the Gospel. They've experienced the Gospel and they want everyone around them to know the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And then a peacemaker seeks to reconcile people. Peacemaker seeks to reconcile people. A peacemaker seeks to reconcile with others. Meaning that if I have a problem with Terry, or Terry has a problem with me, I seek to reconcile that issue. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. Again, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Think about what, God, what Jesus was saying there. If I'm here in church to worship and I am offering God myself, but then I realize and I remember, hey, I've got this issue with Terry. I need to get that taken care of first. I need to have that relationship right before the relationship this way will be right. That's something that we have to remember. Remember. That we have to have the right relationship with each other. We have to be in the right frame of mind before we will truly experience worshiping God. Because if we've got hatred or anger or malice in our hearts toward another one of God's children, we, have, we, we won't be able to have that, that right relationship with God. And it is very evident in that. Because if there's fighting going on among the church, what's the church going to accomplish? Not a thing. But sometimes we're hard-headed. I know I am. And we want our way. And that becomes more important than, having, than God doing something through the church. But isn't it great? That many times it just takes one person taking the step to make something right with somebody else and the next thing you know, it spreads all over the church. And God's children are, re are, are reconciled one to each another and then what does God start to do? Boy, you better hang on because He starts to move quick. That's what a peacemaker does. And then a peacemaker 
helps others to reconcile. Look at Philippians 4, 2-3. Paul writes in his letter to the church in Philippia, or Philippi, he says, I urge Judea and Synthet to love and harmony in the Lord. Here are two ladies that are having issues. And he says, I, I urge you to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul is trying to be a peacemaker between these two women that were actively involved in, in the ministry. Actively involved in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That all of a sudden they've got something against each other. And they're fighting. So he's asking for them to, 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 to reconcile to each other. He's asking them to, to put aside their differences. And not only that, he is asking other Christians to also help them reconcile. In today's society, if, somebody, if you're having a problem, somebody asks you about it, what's the most likely thing that you're going to be told? Mind your own business. Church, I'm going to tell you something. If there's something going on, and it's affecting the entire church, whether you want to accept it or not, it's the entire church's business. As brothers and sisters in Christ, our desire and our command is to take care of each other and to bear one another's burdens. We are to confront each other. We are to hold each other accountable. And then, lastly, and probably the most difficult one about being a peacemaker... A peacemaker confronts sin in hopes of fostering righteousness. A peacemaker is not someone that's wishy-washy or a pushover that is easygoing. A lot of times we see somebody as a peacemaker that they are always talking about turning the other cheek and they, won't, they won't, will not stand firm and, and they will not exert themselves in saying something is wrong. But that's not what a peacemaker is. A peacemaker will confront sin. A peacemaker confronts their own sin first. A peacemaker will confront their own sin first. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. A lot of people misinterpret that, those verses. They interpret it to say, you take care of yourself first and let me worry about myself. That's not what it says at all. Yes, it says that we should take care of ourselves first. 
that we need to make sure that we are where we need to be, that we have got our life straight. None of us are perfect. But we should be working toward that perfection through Jesus Christ. But what does it say in verse 5? Why do we need to take care of ourselves first? Does it say so that we can mind our own business? What does it say? So that we may more clearly see to help my brother or your brother. What Jesus is telling me there is this. Is that I need to work on myself. I need to work on my relationship with Jesus Christ. I need to work on cleaning myself up through the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life. I can't do it on my own. I've got to let God do it through me in the power of the Holy Spirit. But once I I get to a place where I'm allowing Him to do that, then I may be able to help somebody else deal with sin in their own life. I don't let it go. A peacemaker doesn't let it go. But he lets God work through him to be able to help another person. But he allows God to work in himself first. That's a peacemaker. In today's society, too many people are be, have let sin go, and sin is now becoming acceptable instead of being called out. And church, I'm telling you something. We have allowed different aspects of sin to come into the church. We've allowed sin to take root And we've allowed sin to impact our thinking and our processes. We've allowed the notion of, well, the Bible says don't judge. Whoa, 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 whoa. It says it's not our place to pronounce judgment on somebody. But telling somebody they're wrong or they're not meeting the standards... That type of judging is perfectly allowed. In fact, we're told to hold each other accountable. I have shared the example many times of how as we were raising goats and taking them to shows, that those goats were judged against the ideal characteristics of that breed. And they were scored according to how well they met those those criteria. The judge, even if they said you don't meet the qualifications, not once did they say you might as well just kill that goat and sell sell the meat. They never said that. They told them, told, told the kids, told us, this is what you need to work on with this goat. This is what you want to strive for with this goat. That is what we're supposed to do with each other. We are supposed to say, hey, not to our, not to our characteristics. Not, we're not measuring them against us. I don't want to be measured against you guys. And I don't want you to be measured against me. But we have... a perfect example of how we're supposed to live, and that is Jesus Christ. And we have to measure up against Him. And we as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, are called to hold each other accountable. And we are called to tell each other, 
listen, you're struggling in this area. You're not meeting this characteristic. How can I help you get there? How can I help you get to measure up? That, I'm sorry to say, in our world today, in our society, is considered judgment. But we have a very sad misunderstanding of what judgment is. God is the final judge. And He will be the one sitting on the judgment seat. Then, a peacemaker confronts the sin of others in the correct way. Too many times do we want to make someone else's sin a matter of gossip. Baptists are good at this. Let me just share my heart with you. Oh, bless his heart, but, you know, you guys ever heard that? Okay. But here, Jesus tells us again in Matthew how we're supposed to deal with sin of somebody else. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that they may so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, how are we supposed to deal with sin with, the, with somebody else? We're supposed to go to them in private, by ourselves. The goal of all of this is reconciliation. Reconciling that person to God again. If they accept that and they reconcile with God, great, it's over at that point. If they refuse to listen, if they give you an answer, well, you mind your own business, I'll do what I want then what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to get one or two other people that are godly people to go back and talk to this person. Why? He says, so that it may be correctly recorded what has been done. They're there to help that, to, to help that person, but they're also there to protect you. Because guess what? If you question somebody about a sin in their life, how soon do you think it's going to get back that you went and talked to them? That's going to happen fast, isn't it? That person, if they don't accept what you have to say, they're going to be mad. And they're going to let other people know that, that you're mad. And next thing you know, your name's Mud. So you've got one or two other people to go with you to help protect you, but also to urge this person to reconcile to God. And if he still won't listen, then you're to take it to the church. And then when they take it to the church, if he still won't listen, what are we supposed to do? It says that they are to be like a Gentile 
or a tax collector. Basically, we're supposed to withdraw fellowship from that person at that point. Until they get to a point where they're willing to be reconciled to God. Now, has any of you lived a point where you were distant from God, you had had turned your back and walked away and you were not in fellowship with God. That's not a pleasant place to be. Once you know what it feels like to walk with God, when you do something and you distance yourself from Him, it is miserable. But sometimes, sadly, in our hard-headedness, that is exactly where we need to be to realize what we've been missing. You know, the idea that absence makes the heart grow fonder. You've heard that. Sometimes you don't realize what you had until it's gone. That's the whole idea behind this part of the reconciliation process. Is that we confront the person and if they don't accept it, if they don't ask for forgiveness and change their ways, then we may have to get to a point where we have to let them experience what it feels like when it's gone. But church, I want to be a peacemaker. In today's society, we need Christians that are peacemakers. Not pushovers. Somebody that's willing to stand there and say, this is wrong. But being willing to say, what can I do to help fix it? How can I reconcile our country to God? How can I reconcile you to God? How can I reconcile myself to God? Being a peacemaker, it's not an option. It is a characteristic of a follower of Jesus Christ. And I fell at that many times because, like many of you, I have a temper. And I am really having to work with being angry with the way things are being done, the way things are being said. I'm angry with being told to sit down and shut up. I am angry with seeing those that go by the name Christian using language and posting things that say the very opposite of what they're claiming to be. And I'm angry at the hatred that I'm experiencing, that I'm seeing. And I want to be a way to get past that. I want to help people understand the peace and the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. How about you? Let us stand for our invitational hymn, number 571, Let Others See Jesus in You.
571. that uh, Doug is working on right now to, to 
that keep going in the fellowship policy and still keep in there right now. But it's a breaker inside the building that's causing the problem right now. So uh, be in prayer that all that gets taken care of. And this week, seek to be a peacemaker. Seek to be a peacemaker. Don't forget, Wednesday night, 6.30 online. Back here again next Sunday morning. Be safe and let me pray. So bless you, Heavenly Father, we come before you once again. So Lord, as we leave this place, allow us to be your light in this dark world. Allow us to be peacemakers. Let us seek to reconcile first ourselves to you, then others to you, and then be a source of peace by bringing people back to you. Be with us as we go from this place and keep us safe. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ.